Namaskaram everyone. Welcome to Guru Purnima 2021. This is the 27th year of Guru Purnima celebrations here at Isha. And we extend a very warm welcome to every one of you joining us today from wherever you are. On the occasion of this auspicious day, we are excited to announce the launch of Project Samskriti. Project Samskriti will offer programs in Indian classical arts including music, chants, dance and kalari paitu, the genesis of all martial arts. These intricate arts which evolve over thousands of years are not only a reflection of the diverse culture of this land but also a source of spiritual inspiration. Envisioned by Sadhguru, Project Samskriti is an endeavor to nurture, preserve and showcase these magnificent arts. Alumni and advanced students of Asia Samskriti with years of rigorous training and an experiential understanding of the impact of the classical arts will offer these programs. You can visit the website for more details. Now let's welcome our Asia Samskriti students for a live performance. Thank you. 
Thank you. 
ಇಪ್ಪತ್ತೆಂಟು ಈಶಾ ಸಂಸ್ಕೃತಿ ಇಟ್ಸ್ ಬಿನ್ ಅ ಜರ್ನಿ ಟ್ವೆಲ್ವ್ ಇಯರ್ಸ್ ಹಾವ್ ಪಾಸ್ ಬೈ It's been a journey. Twelve years have passed by since we first stepped into Isha Sanskriti. traveling through the depths of a timeless culture in this education of discovery envisioned by sadguru we learned not just the intricacies of music dance kalari and yoga but immersed ourselves in these ancient arts they have invested their life completely from the age of 67 till now today these children have grown up into fantastic human beings dance for me is an expression of beauty looking at life with an artistic approach as i keep learning and exploring i just realize how big the art is a process enriching yet so humble open me up to experience depths within myself which i never imagined possible kalari has reshaped not just my body but also my mind living on the very edge of intensity focus and stillness This education is focused simply on developing human body and human brain to its fullest. These children are not being prepared for a university, but for the universe. The possibilities are endless, propelled by a flood of gratitude. Ready to offer all that we are, all that we have, and much more. It is my wish and my blessing. project samskriti becomes your instrument of exploration and expression of the wonderfulness of being human ಸದ್ಗುರುವೆ ಮುತ್ತ 
ಕಂಡಾನು ಕಂಡಾನು ಈ ಜೀವಿಯ ಎನ್ ಜೀವೇ ಉಂಡಾನು ಶಿವರೂಪಿಯ ತಂಧಾನೋ ತಂಧಾನೋ ಜ್ಞಾನಾಮೃತ ತಂಧಾನೋ ತಂಧಾನೋ ಜ್ಞಾನಾಮೃತ ತಂಧಾನೋ ತಂಧಾನೋ ಜ್ಞಾನಾಮೃತ Say this after me. Yuga Yuga Yogeshwaraya Bhuta 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 Shwaraya kale kale shwaraya shiva shiva sarveshwaraya shambho shambho mahadevaya
Namaskaram. Namaskaram to every one of you, wherever you are, on this uh, very auspicious and special day. Though I am not given to make any day special normally, birthdays, wedding anniversaries, so many other kinds of days, I've never made them special because I don't see one day being more special than other. Though one day is not better than another, it all depends on what we make out of it. Still, certain days are suitable for certain aspects of life. Right now, it's monsoon time, all the farmers, city people are buying boats, farmers are getting to plow their land. Why couldn't they plow their land in the summer? Because uh, today is a better day to plow than the summer day. In that context, those who are aspiring to become available to grace, this is a very auspicious day. There are only two ways for a human being, either to perceive or to receive. Everybody would like to perceive, but not many people are willing to put in the work that it takes to become perceptive. Take some work. To receive doesn't take work, but it takes certain humility, certain ability to obliterate yourself. It's like falling in love, something of you must go. If you do not perceive or receive, ah, oh, you are a blooming idiot. If you are not empowered, you just live a stupid life. If you are empowered, you become a tyrant and cause immense suffering to everybody around you. This is the only way for human beings. I know there are many fold paths, but I'm giving you threefold path. <laughs> With all due respect to everybody else. You can either be work or strive for perception or bow down and become receptive or blossom as a bloody idiot, mess up your own life, if empowered, mess up everybody's life. There's only three ways for human beings. Fortunately, a whole lot of idiotic people are not empowered, fortunately. When they get empowered, you will see calamities in the world. 
we are a minuscule of life in this cosmic space. We are a microscopic life. But uh, with very macro possibilities, many ways to see this. See, this eye is so small, but it can look up and grasp the sky. Such a small eye. <laughs> Inside this eye, the screen, the retina is this much. It can grasp the galaxies. So, there are possibilities beyond our physical stature. As a physical creature, <laughs> we are microscopic. Today, all of you are trying to see the microscopic virus, I mean. You're trying to see but you're not able to see which way it gets into you, from where it gets into you, but it is microscopic, but see how troublesome? It has its own potency. Similarly, this, right now these microscopic creatures are making the human society shiver. <laughs> Nearly five million people dead. So, this is a microscopic creature in this cosmos, but with tremendous possibilities. Not in terms of activity, not in action. If you try to become macro in action, ah, you will become a work donkey, endlessly doing something, carrying the burdens of the world and not getting anywhere. In terms of experience, you can make this so phenomenal because ultimately, things that human beings are performing in some way is related to their experience. Now will you do a thousand things to feel little happy? <laughs> to be peaceful and happy, how much circus humanity is doing is unbelievable. When you can simply sit here and be peaceful and happy, how much circus human beings have been doing for thousands of years, still not realizing that human experience comes from within, we can only ma manage it from within, we can only enhance it from within, but it goes on drama. If one on this day, the Guru Purnima, on this day, if you become receptive or you're willing to strive to become perceptive, any one of these things, if you're willing to do, The possibility of life is such that this beginningless and endless cosmos, infinite in its nature, you can crush it and put it into yourself. This is what yoga means. 
There are two ways of looking at it, either you can expand, that may not be imaginable, but you like to crush things, right? Hello? At least people around you sometimes. So, I'm talking about crushing the cosmos and putting it into yourself. When this question was raised to Adiyogi, how can I? <laughs> uh, how can I go through the Guru Purnima evening without uh, uttering Adiyogi? <laughs> when they asked him, what is the nature of this cosmos? Where does it begin? Where does it end? He laughed and he said, I can pack this cosmos, your cosmos which you think is beginningless and endless, into a mustard seed. I'm not getting that small, I'm saying, I can crush it and put it into myself. You can do it too. It's just that, instead of enhancing human consciousness, people have largely worked towards enhancing their conclusions. Because education systems have taught you, the conclusions that you make is knowledge. Conclusions that you make may be useful for day-to-day -day activity, but it will not take you anywhere. It will not take you anywhere in terms of experience. And human experience, your experience of being here as a human being is the most vital aspect of your existence. Because in terms of ex activity, I think, I think if I'm wrong you tell me, I don't know what is the nature of your activity. I think the ants, the birds and the bees are doing lot more activity than you can do and they're eco-friendly also. So in terms of activity, <laughs> don't brag about your activity because there are animals, there are sea animals, there are land animals which incessantly performing activity without uh, sleep, without rest, non-stop. You never saw a shark or a fish sleeping, they rest a little bit, but they're on all the time. So in terms of activity, don't compete because by enhancing activity you will recede in your evolutionary process. Activity is needed to wear this down. <laughs> if you wear this down, then other dimensions of who you are could become visible to you. If your body is the front end of your life, then you live like a bull, nothing wrong with a bull. You know, bull, lot of conclusions. Are you investing in the conclusions that you make in this world? Or are you investing in your consciousness? This is the fundamental difference. This is the significance of this day, when Adiyogi directed the world towards consciousness, 
not the conclusions that you make. Many things that he said and did <laughs> are insulting for uh, sensitive egos, but he doesn't care. Nor do I, but you know, I live in twenty-first century, so I have to do little diplomacy. <laughs> because uh, I have physical activity in the world. So this small eye with big vision is possible because of the complexity and sophistication of the neurological wiring that we have, the most complex. Because of that, we have an immense sense of memory. Because of that, life can become rich. If your memory is beyond the aspects of your survival process, that would push you towards becoming conscious. If your memory is all about survival, <laughs> right now uh, this… Uh, I don't want to call it a hobby or a habit, a culture has evolved where they're asking a four-year-old child, tell me da, what will you become? Tell me, what will you become, four-year-old boy or girl? I want to become doctor. You're fixing activity. Activity is simply doing what is needed in the world right now. So if you build this kind of memory, which is all about survival, well, you could also aspire to become a doctor because you see there are a lot of sick people, there are a lot of coronavirus, because of that you want to become a doctor, I'll bow down to you. No, no, you're thinking of doctor because uh, somebody told you you can earn so much, somebody told you they're well regarded in the society. For that reason you want to become a doctor. I want you to know even if you become a really classy barber, you will be more valued than the doctor. Same scissors and same knife, just the hair. They become superstars in the world, many of them. So the question is not about what you become, it's about how, <laughs> how you do it. So, when you accumulate memory, all related to your survival process, this will go on doing deductions and conclusions about everything in the universe. Because of this, blossoming of consciousness, will not happen, a blooming idiot may happen. Well, Sadhguru, why are you so sarcastic? Hey, today is Guru Purnima, I can… I can say what I want, hello <laughs> Oh, no Sadhguru, we thought gurus are nice and gentle, why like this? Just do it the way it works, that's all. <laughs> There's no particular attitude towards anything. Why this 
music, dance, other aspects of art. Why art, music, dance, these things have always been considered, considered as subtler aspects of life is because the thought is not about survival. Unfortunately, today dancers and musicians and uh, I don't know if gallery people also are becoming professional. That means, that's what I do to earn a living. Earning a living is for creatures, even they do it joyfully. I see butterfly trying to find his food from flower to flower, seems to be joyful, at least in my eyes. The peacock picking his little beetles and bugs from the tree bark, seems joyful, it's found expression in his plume. Human beings <laughs> are dredging through life because survival instinct has been overly invested in. So why these arts are important is, it gets you to think life, not in terms of survival. If not consciousness, at least aesthetic. Useless things I'm saying <laughs> not utilitarian. Well, somebody who is very logical thinks these are all useless things. Well, they also think, you know this happened some time ago, I don't want to name them, but uh, in the Rashtrapati Bhavan, which is a... Uh, I've been there a few times and it's a grandly engineered building, where the president of India lives. So there they have what is called as hanging garden. It's not really hanging but <laughs> hanging it is. So full of variety of flowers, some five hundred, six hundred varieties of roses and whatever stuff. During the era of a particular president, he thought this is all waste and turned this whole thing into vegetable garden. Vegetables are useful, flowers. What is the use of flower? Because we started thinking like this, what is the use of this, what is the use of that? And we started ripping the planet apart. Today, <laughs> we are out of sorts, facing situations, ecological situations, which uh, we will suffer, but future generations, we are trying to give this as a gift to them, that they, no matter what, they cannot live well here. We are trying to create such a situation and go, simply because we thought, what is the use of this, what is the use of that? So this tree bears mangoes, let it be there. That, no fruit in it, cut it up. Well, we have not done this, just with other life, we have done this with human beings also. So this is why people are asking me, people have been asking me for years, Sadhguru, in a spiritual organization, why are these girls dancing like this? Why are these boys fighting with a sword? What are they doing here? What is all this taktai about? We must simply sit like this. How many of you 
can simply sit like this. Huh? I'll give you three days, just sit like this, let me see. Then we'll stop all the taktai. Well, even if you could sit like that, hmm, life will not find full expression. So when you invest your thought, your emotions in dimensions, I'm sorry, I have to say this word three times because there are some people who feed on it, dimension, 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 okay? <laughs> Just for those people. It's Guru Purnima, I'm generous, you know, today. <laughs> so, <clears throat> there are many doors to human consciousness. No, I am not telling you the truth. There are no walls to the human consciousness, so there are no doors. If I say no door, Sadhguru, where do I go? So we create doors. Just like we create a spiritual path, there is no path to turn inward. What is the path? Well, there are methods which would uh, curb your wrong directions and turn you inward, that's all. Where is the path when there is no distance? Where does the path arise? So let's not get into that, it'll get too abstract for you. So I'm saying there are many doors you can enter from many directions. Art, music, dance, I, instead of saying non-utilitarian, just to insult the dancers who are, who are looking gorgeous on the stage, uh, useless things. What's the use? I will sit like this. What is the use of this, this, this? You can just text people, you don't even have to speak anymore. What is the use of human voice when you have two thumbs? Hello? Even people who are sitting right next to you, you text them, that's why I'm saying. I see within the family, in the house, texting is happening. Uh, because what is within is so much out of control, if you try to utter a word, it'll explode. It'll spark with people. You have not earned this with people around you, that you can say the nastiest things to them and still be wonderfully well with them. This is what I am <laughs> Always pointing out the nasty, nasty, nasty part of you. Ah, but still I'm okay with you, because it's important that what is needed is not removed, that's all we have to do. If we remove what is not needed, what we want will happen. We don't have to run after what we want because that may be a big misunderstanding as to what we want because at every stage in our life, it tells us different things. When you're twelve, it says, this is the way. When you're eighteen, it says, that is the way. No, no, no. This is the way. 
When you're twenty-five, it says, this is the way. When you're thirty, it says, that is the way. See, I'm using two hands, understand this. When you're sixty, it says, this is the way. <laughs> you don't know which is the damn way. Most people on their deathbed, if you look at their eyes, you will see they're bewildered. Because at every point in their life, they thought this, 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 this. Now, they don't know which. So, thinking beyond the body, paying attention to dimensions, which are not necessary, necessarily utilitarian, not necessarily about your survival. Thinking beyond your survival itself is evolution. If you don't do this, if you do not, learn to think beyond your survival process of earning a living, the shelter, clothing, this, that. If you do not learn to think beyond that, you will never move towards blossoming of consciousness because survival process needs conclusions. Conclusions are full stops and full stops and full stops. Stop, growth will stop for most human beings. I would say most human beings, by the time they're thirty, uh, they're a living grave. Nothing is changing within them. Around many things may be changing, but within everything has slowly come to a stagnation, because by then they've made so many conclusions. Identities have become strong, Limited identities have become very strong because of that. To protect that, you need very strong conclusions. Once you conclude like this, there is no room for consciousness. What is this consciousness? Why do I need it? Do I need it at all? Well, unfortunately, you landed here as a human being. If you do not become conscious, life will bother you like you have not imagined possible. When you're young, you may not see it. It started bothering me when I was four or five years of age. I think that's a good thing <laughs> that it bothers you really early so that you wake up. Uh, some people usually get bothered by sixty, seventy, but at least okay, better late than never, they say. It's an English saying, not me, okay? I would… Uh, I would be happy if everybody is seriously bothered by their own mind by the time they're twelve, so that they figure a few things out. What is this body? What is this mind? What is the nature of my experience? What am I doing here? At least a few things you must figure out. So do I do this with more conclusions? No. This is where I told you, you can either do it by enhancing your perception or by becoming receptive. Whichever you think is your way is fine with me. But you need to understand if you want to enhance perception, there is work to do upon yourself. So much work to do, <laughs> you may not be able to do anything much around you, it's all about you. We're receiving not so much work, but 
You know, I've told you this before, when I was uh, a little boy, I was, you know, still I am. Except in my body, everywhere I am still a little boy. Didn't grow up. I never saw the need to grow up because I saw all the grown-ups were sagging like old bags. Good people, I'm not talking about good and successful and well-to-do people. When I look at them, their energies are sagging. You have to tickle them, you have to key them up every day to keep them going. They are not self-propelled. When I saw that, I thought it's not worth growing up <laughs> So I just stayed like this, I'm sorry. So if you want to be receptive, I've, I've said this that when I was a little boy, I used to go to the Mysore Zoo very often. There they had a very nice rule. I don't know who made this, now I look at it with <laughs> with certain profoundness. They just simply made a rule, maybe having certain compassion towards the children. So if you want to go through the gate, it's fifty paisa ticket. That is, if you're below fourteen years of age, I think, is fifty paisa. If you're an adult, it's one rupee. Such huge sums of money were not anywhere around us. Fifty paisa, if I had, I would do so many things, eat so many things, go here and there and do all kinds of things. So, uh, if you don't have any money, there is a barrier like this, three-foot barrier. You have to crawl and go. I crawled and went, saved my fifty paisa and bought all kinds of things for my pets in the zoo. They were my pets, they were keeping it for me. Hello. Really? They were my pet. This is my universe. Huh, somebody's managing it for me, I'm okay. Hello? Hello? Is it okay? This is my universe. I experience it that way. Well, management I've left it to. Management is happening. What I can do, I do, rest of it I've left it. No problem. They're doing it quite well, so what's my problem? They're saying the moon is going into a little bit of a wobble, but that's regular stuff, no problem. A guru is possible for you in your life only if you build a strong and stable body. Stable is very important. Because body is not always stable. The body is run with various secretions that are happening within us. These secretions can drive you crazy, can make you sick, can make you healthy, can make you exuberant, can do so many things. Keeping all these complex fluids in the body stable, so yoga. Sadhguru, you said if we have to receive, we don't have to work. I said yoga, not work. 
you have to keep the body stable. Some amount of strength, otherwise weak body will bother you every day. Once the body is weak and unstable, twenty-four hours it'll keep you busy, just attending to it all the time. So keeping it strong and stable is important so that body is not in the way. Keeping the mind intense and relaxed, while we've gone through this many times, intensity and relaxation should not be misunderstood as laxity and tension. We're talking about intensity and relaxation of the mind. Your energies should be exuberant and blissful. I think a little bit of definition of what is bliss is needed. Bliss is not a, a certain thing that happens because of certain stimulation. Bliss is a constant state of pleasantness, exuberance and if you're equanimous, you'll be blissful. If these three things are maintained effortlessly, the presence that you call as guru will simply walk through you without any effort. Otherwise, you're a wall, we have to… walking through the open door is effortless. Walking through the wall can be done, but you know, Lots of work. So don't make this work last for an entire lifetime. That's all my appeal is, let it happen at the earliest. Some of you have come here as children, some of you have come here as young people, some of you have come here much older, doesn't matter when you came. I will treat all of you as twelve-year-olds, all right? For those who are six-year-olds, it's an upgrade. <laughs> For you also it's an upgrade. Instead of being a sagging bag, a twelve-year-old, on the toes, up, intense. A twelve-year-old. Now these days twelve-year-olds also like this, not like that. Twelve-year-olds from our time. I'm talking twelve-year-old from our time, not these days twelve-year-olds, not that kind of twelve-year-olds. This is important that you do this to your life, that in body you're strong and stable, in mind you are intense and relaxed, in energies you're exuberant and equanimous. This must happen to you, this is not difficult. Little work, little attention to what is happening beyond survival. If you're always thinking, what will I get, what will I get, what will I get, then you will do silly, mediocre things in your life. There is nothing to get, once again I'm reminding you, it's an unfortunate time to remind of such things because so many people are dying when it's not at their time because of this virus. But I'm reminding you, 
when you die, there is no container service. There is nothing to take. Only thing is, how profound is your experience of life? That is all there is. If you don't tend to that aspect of your life, it's a wasted life, it's a foolish life because it'll bring misery to you and misery to everybody around you. Every other life is suffering this. Human idea of survival, every creature from a microscopic creature to everything, worms, insects, birds, animals, everybody is suffering. Because human idea of survival, human idea of what is useful and what is not useful. I want all of you to invest a part of your life, preferably the whole of your life, towards that which is not utilitarian. Oh, we are asked, Sadhguru is encouraging us to do useless things. No, I'm asking you to do beautiful things like art, music, dance, meditation, how useless. Simply sitting, huh? <laughs> but Sadhguru, you said devotion would take care of me. I want you to understand even devotion is just a tool to make you intense, exuberant and, you know, not available to outside irritants. That is the beauty of devotion. If you're de devoted, outside situations don't irritate you anymore. You're just beautiful within yourself. It makes you very intense and exuberant, which is a quality which is very needed if you have to become available, available to grace, because without grace, Running this machine is like running a machine without lubricants. It's hard, everything becomes hard. Just waking up in the morning becomes hard. Everything is painful. You can see it on the faces of people across the world today. Their only joy is they're doing better than somebody else. If you take that away, they really have nothing. They really have nothing in their life. Or in other words, the only joy is somebody is doing worse than you. How sick is that? Don't get there in your life. When you do something, it's beautiful because you're doing it, not because somebody is not doing it as well as you. That should never be the source of any kind of pleasure for any human being. There was a sage, a very… a profound sage. His name was Sukha. He was the son of Vedavyasa. I'll tell you something that you will uh, wish but too late is, Sukha learnt everything that he can learn, all the scriptures and the knowledge and the traditions and everything, when he was in his mother's womb, your mother did not do that. He learned everything within the womb. When he came out, he came as a… a so he was a Bala Brahmachari, nobody initiated him, but he is like that. 
to tell you what was his quality and how the world responded to him. On a certain day, by then he had become a young adult, but because uh, he is so childlike and he is living in the forest, he is walking in the jungle, barely clothed, just a loincloth. Then he came to a clearing where there is a small lake, where the royal retinue, the queen and her maids, everybody, is uh, are having a dip in the lake. Because it's a totally abandoned place, they are completely naked. Sukha walked, but he's, uh, he has no sense of body. He looked at these people like he would have looked at anything else. Like he looks at water, like he looks at air, like he sees the trees, like he sees the other animals. Like that he saw all these naked women, looked at them and kept walking. Because he needed to drink water, he went to the lake and drank his water and was leaving. His father Vedavyasa was always worried about the boy because he has no sense of survival, he just walks into anything. So he came running looking for him. The moment they saw this old man who is over seventy-five years of age, all the women went and grabbed their clothes and covered themselves. Vedavyasa noticed this, then he walked up to them and asked, my son, a young man, he's walking here nearly naked and all of you had no problem with him. I am over seventy-five years of age and the moment you see me, you're all grabbing your clothes, what is this? They said, uh, you are invested in your body, he is invested in the divine, we have no issue with him. So this is how he was experienced. One day Sukha thought he must go to Vaikuntha. You know Vaikuntha? You know the address? He wants to go to Vaikuntha and meet Vishnu. So he went there. The god stopped him and they said, what? He said, I'm Sukha, son of Vedavyasa. I want to See Vishnu. They looked at him and said, We see that you're fully stuffed with knowledge. We can see Vedas in your body, Upanishads in your body, every other scripture in your body, but you don't have a guru. You don't have a guru. You have no admission here, just go back. So Sukha was confused because he had never thought what is a guru because everything that he... anybody would want to know was already with him when he was born. So he came back to his father and he said, Father, they would not let me into Vaikuntha. They said, I need a guru. What is that? I want that. They are saying, my knowledge is not good enough. Then Vedavyasa said, 
See, there is only one person who can be your guru. This is King Janak. Sukha said, okay, I will go there. And then he went. He went there and he saw at the gates of the palace, he looked at the palace, a very elaborate, luxurious building with lots of aesthetics. He said, this is not a place where my guru can live. This looks too luxurious and not right for a spiritual person. So he turned back, went again, again asked his father. His father said, Janaka is the only guru for you. Again he went, again he saw king was relaxing in the garden with his queens. He said, oh, this is not the man and he went back. Like this, this up and down trips happened twelve times, twelve times. Then the thirteenth time, where the Vyasa said, see, you have fourteen great possibilities within you. Twelve you have wasted in these twelve trips. There are just two more, it's up to you. So Sukha went to the palace gates, he did not like the opulence of the palace. The way people were all well-dressed in silks, he didn't like that, he said, this is not a spiritual place. But uh, because his father had warned him, there are just two more left, if you lose that, you've lost everything. So he went in. So he said, I want to see the king. First thing he was expecting, he, Sukha, the son of Vedavyasa, when he comes, the king will come and receive him. Nobody came. This unfortunately happens in Isa Yoga Center also. So nobody came to receive him. He is a VIP sannyasi. VIS, very important sannyasi. But nobody came to receive him, <laughs> least of all the king. Then he came and uh, requested, I want to meet the king. So Janaka inquired, where is he standing? They mentioned where. He was standing in a place where normally out of the palace they, they throw all the refuse, it goes and falls in a pit. He was standing in that place. King Janaka said he must tell him to stand right there. He stood there. As evening came, the day's garbage, they started throwing it out. We should start this treatment, huh? It's one thing that's missing, huh? Because we are composting all our waste, we are not able to throw it on you. <laughs> so he stood there, one day, two days, three days, four days. He stood there, a heap of garbage covered him, but he just stood there. 
Then King Janaka asked, what's happening? They said, he's standing right there. He said, ask him to wash up, give him some, give him some fresh clothes and bring him here. So that was done and then he went in front of Janaka. Janaka said, see, in honor of your arrival, I have organized a whole lot of celebration and festivities, lot of things happening around here. Go and enjoy yourself, but just carry this vessel with you. The vessel was full, you know, uh, full of milk to the very brim. He said, carry this vessel with you and just what we have organized in your honor, please enjoy the festivities and come back. So Sukha carried this vessel and went, it's too full. He said, he told his soldiers, if one drop spills out of this vessel, take his head off. So when your head is go in question, you know, you walk carefully. Very carefully, without spilling a drop, he walked through all the festivities and came back. So did you enjoy the festivities? Uh, Janaka asked, he said, what festivity? I was just watching the milk. So Janaka said, I want you to know this is me. Just to see that the milk doesn't spill, you needed so much attention. Keeping my connection with the divine, it needs lot more attention, but still, Look at me, I'm still involved with everything around me. You are still in a place, if you focus on one thing, the other thing won't happen to you. So you need to work and he took him as a disciple. A man who was considered by everybody as a celebrated born sage, born as a sage. But he needed this because one thing is to withdraw, to connect with the deepest core of who we are. At the same time, to be able to be active. In this context, I would say our children are very fortunate that uh, from a very early age, they're invested, seriously invested in useless things. No, no, I mean to say non-utilitarian beautiful things music, dance, calorie. Now uh, this effort to make it available to the world because it's very important. I see that the world is becoming too serious for their own good. <laughs> if you want to understand what I'm saying, just turn on any news channel. They're just fighting about everything, just about everything. It's quite amusing and amazing how you can just fight about everything, not about one thing, about everything. I think lot of people are doing it in their homes also, fighting about everything. I'm telling you, no other creature is doing it. Tigers, lions, rats, dogs, cats, 
fight for something. They don't fight for everything. Humans seem to be going below the evolutionary scale of all the other mammals also. Because now they've become or they've brought themselves to a place where they can fight about everything, not about a specific thing. So, to bring this dimension into people's lives, that it brings a certain amount of subtleness in you, certain aesthetic in you, gives you the power to experience something beyond survival and also find expression in your life. As a part of this, we are uh, today opening up what is called as Project Samskriti. Much effort has gone into this, I want you to understand. Particularly the children, but more particularly their parents, who invested their children in this Isha Samskriti, not knowing what will happen to them. Today, uh, I see young... Uh, I still think they're little girls, but they're young women, I think. Am I correct? I'm still not seeing women, I'm only seeing the little children that I saw and still seeing them little enlarged version of the same ones. <laughs> so these young boys and girls have grown into these arts, soaked in these arts, because I want you to understand completely invested in these arts, not learning them as a hobby on the side, not two hours a week, all the time, twenty-four hours they've lived it, not only lived the art and music but lived the culture in which this art and music evolved to start with. Lived in that devotion, lived in that culture where these, these art forms evolved. So this is a very unique possibility, this is the first step. It's taken fourteen, fifteen years or more, a little more than that probably, to take this first step that the first step is they are starting with online programs. There will be chants, there will be songs. I want you to differentiate between songs and proper music training. And there will be music training, there will be dance, simple processes, more complex processes and colory which is in many ways the genesis of all martial arts on the planet. Today, many other forms have become more famous in the world because uh, they, they went in the right direction, they went to Hollywood. So, everybody knows what is Kung Fu. Even in India, a lot of people might not have heard of Kalari, unfortunately. But I want you to understand this, a little story if I have to tell you, Bodhidharma. Around fifteen centuries ago, or maybe sixteen centuries ago, was a Pallava prince. And uh, he became a monk. As per the wishes of his guru, who told him, go north and spread this, he went north, went north enough to go into China. So, uh, he's immersed in what he's doing. When he went there, the news spread, 
that Buddha's disciple or somebody who is in that path, deeply immersed, is coming this way. So emperor who, who had this aspiration all his life, who had built meditation halls, gardens, everything ready and translated all the Buddhist teachings into the local language, kept everything ready for a master to arrive. Now when he came, by then emperor who is over seventy-two years of age, he came to the border of his kingdom to welcome Bodhidharma. And Bodhidharma was not impressed, of course he needed some rest and food, but he's not impressed with the the grandeur of the welcome. But he received the welcome and sat down and uh, the moment they settled down, Emperor who said, uh, can I ask you a question? Bodhidharma said, by all means, question. <clears throat> so he asked, I have built so many meditation halls, I have prepared so many gardens and so many translations, everything I have done to spread Buddha's message in this part of the world. Will I get Nibbana? Nibbana means nirvana or mukti or enlightenment. Bodhidharma looked at him, stared at him with his great big eyes and said, What? You? Nibbana? You will burn in the lowest hell. See, these people are not nice. Somebody just welcomed you, gave you everything, gave you food, and now he says this, he says there's no chance for you. Because the very fact, as you're doing all these things, you're keeping accounts of how many things you have done in your life, you are not getting anywhere and he walked away. People tried to hold him in many places, he just went away. And he went near a Shaolin temple, but he did not walk into the temple, he went and sat in a cave close by. A general whose name, I don't know if I can pronounce the Chinese names properly, because uh, we're missing the Chinese here since the pandemic. I'm losing touch with their names and their language <laughs> So Shen, I think if I can say it that way. So General Shen followed him, wants to become his disciple because he has heard that Bodhidharma is a culinary expert, a master of culinary. Culinary was taught by Agastyamuni to his disciples to defend or fend for themselves against the wild animals. I mean to say a land which was heavily forested right across this subcontinent, a land of tigers, elephants, king cobras, bears, panthers, bare hand bare-handed to defend yourself, to fend off the animals. He taught them the culinary. 
It is somewhere later on, another school of armed fighting which was started by Purushurama, who also came down south. He brought in this dimension of Kalari where arms were picked up later on. So Bodhidharma has learnt bare-armed Kalari that he can fend off any animal. A tiger cannot get you simply because of the way you move. You must understand the ability of a tiger or a panther, how they move. There are uh, situations where I have witnessed them myself and there are other videos and other things most of you might have seen. They are capable, a tiger is capable of killing a buffalo, the Indian wild buffalo, which weighs <laughs> anywhere around maybe 400 to 500 kilograms and carry him up to a place where no other animal can get him on top of a rock or sometimes up a, a sloping tree or something like that. A panther can kill a deer which is about the same weight as himself and carry the panther up the tree and place it up the tree so that nobody else can get him. So they are immensely strong and capable in terms of physical movement like you cannot imagine. But Agastyamuni trained them in such a way that even a tiger or a panther or an elephant could not get them because they moved so quickly and in such impossible ways. Like our, our boys are now moving in that direction, girls also. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> So, when uh, Bodhidharma went and settled in the cave, General Shen followed, wants to be his disciple, but Bodhidharma doesn't say a word. Nine years he waited. Then Bodhidharma came out and entered the temple. General Shen followed, begging him, please take me as your disciple. Bodhidharma said, that will only happen. When the snow turns red, so General Shen, in a fit of courage and sacrifice, he lopped off his own left arm and swung the arm around. And all the snow around was covered in his blood and froze in the snow. Bodhidharma looked at this and he could not push him away anymore, he took him as his disciple. From there comes the one-armed General Shen, trained in Kalari, became a master in his own way. From there comes the now famous one-handed Namaste. Even today, they're doing it. This came from General Shen, who had only one arm. He did his namaste like this, you can use both, okay? So, there is a hoary history for Kalari, similar kind of tradition and history for classical music and classical dance. 
there are innumerable sages and saints who involve themselves in these art forms to bring immense profoundness, where the line between spiritual process and the art forms wore thin to a point where people could not differentiate. So this is a possibility for everybody, wherever you are, thanks to this today's technology, that wherever you are, you can invest yourself in learning certain chants or music or songs or dance or culinary. This process, registrations will begin from today. I think the actual classes will begin in a... Uh, in another three weeks. But uh, this will start, this is the first step. The second step is uh, these uh, groups, these children, can't they? they're my children still. These uh, young adults that you will see wonderfully, uh, you know, evolved uh, young women and men. So they will tour the world, they will spread across the globe, perform for a year or two. In the process, we are also setting up academies. One will start in the Isha Institute of Inner Engineering in Tennessee. Another, we are preparing the premises for this in Los Angeles. Similarly, in many other cities across the world, in major cities, we will set up academies. It is this with this vision that the Isha Samskriti was started fifteen years ago or sixteen years ago. Now children have grown up and, uh, well, they have grown up too well. They cannot be just kept here, they have to reach the world. In many ways they will take something to the world which has never been done on this scale and in this level of perfection and aesthetic as it's been done, as it's being done here. They're just still beginning in their lives, they will mature and bring much beauty and joy to the world and it will become many different ways of experiencing life, many different ways of stabilizing yourself, many different ways of preparing yourself to... If you can't straight away jump into spirituality, absolutely, these are all different stairways through which you can come. So we want to offer this to the world on this Guru Purnima. But uh, what you will do, I will right now not call it as a chant, because chant needs a certain perfection of geometry, of sounds, music needs a certain melody, dance needs a certain fluidity and aesthetic. So what you may do, uh, I will name it later, okay? <laughs> this happened one day. Shankaran Pillai's new wife was in exuberant mood. And when he was leaving for the office, she came and said, Today I'm going to cook both sambar and rasam for you. Shankaran Pillai said, You do it. After I see how it is, we shall name it. <laughs> so, here is a great possibility. Please uh, make use of this in whichever way you can. It is a great joy for me to see these, uh, these young people, the way they are on stage. It's an immense pleasure and joy to see them because I have seen them growing up since they were little kids and uh, what wonderful young people they have become. And <clears throat> may their lives blossom 
and in turn, may they be a source of inspiration for many, many lives to blossom. Uh, the full moon flirtations, uh, those who are on that platform, you're fine. We are taking a three-minute music break to allow people who are just on the Guru Parnami platform to move to this uh, thing, uh, full moon flirtations platform. Just do that in the next three to four minutes and uh, we will be there with you.
We have been together in the last four full moon days. Well, addressing four significant aspects of our making – earth, water, air, fire, Today, being Guru Pardami, because 